Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for human factors, psychology, and design. That could, hello, hello, we're live. Hi, hi, um, internet. We are live. It's, it's things are starting to ding, which is good. Yeah, ding a ling a ling. Um, so tonight's going to be a bit different, folks. Uh, we are. I don't know where you're watching or what it says. There's some weirdness behind the scenes here, but we're um, we're not going to do a show. Uh, but we will have something for you tonight. We're here, obviously, so we're. We're talking, um, and that's what this is. Uh, it's it's human factors and chill. Uh, is I don't know what the title. I, I don't I don't even know what the title is. Is it uh, human factors uh, hang out? Human factors and chill. I don't know. Um, human factors and chill has got that. Given that the past two episodes that we've done have always has had a bit of a yeah a sexy thing to it. Then, yeah, um, it kind of it, it's kind of almost a theme at the moment, isn't it? Uh-huh. So um, we, we kind of needed to. Um, Somebody said to me, oh, is, is what you're going to do next a, a review of the ergonomics of sex toys or something? And I was like, Ooh. oh, I hadn't thought of that. On the one hand, I was like, no, that would be really bad. Then I was like, oh, would Hold it? on. <laughs> That's a, put that one in the bank. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's <laughs> not a bad idea. <laughs> oh, um, man. So, uh, yeah, we, we, we were talking shop before this. So, oh, actually, you know what? Let me Let me preface one thing tonight so if you're watching no matter where you're watching uh, the reason we're doing a hangout tonight rather than a full episode is that if you tuned into last week's episode um live and noticed any internet dropping uh that is still happening and um it is outside of my control i have contacted the people i need to contact uh and and it's it, there's a potential that during this broadcast tonight um there will be drops and there will be uh so so the rule is if i'm gone for 15 minutes uh barry is going to end it and we will we will be done um, in a nice way i, I won't just yeah. it, bounce out in a, in, a, in a fit of rage i'll, I'll do it in yes. a nice way oh he's gone <laughs> so so <laughs> <just> go back <laughs> so barry has signed on to do 15 minutes of solo uh chatting if um <laughs> if i drop no, clearly if Nick's not here, he doesn't know whether I do one minute or 15 minutes. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I, I'll know if I get back within that 15 minute window. Um, I'm not here. It's just like, hello. Hello. Because uh, <laughs> Barry left. Anyone uh, around? So we, we would much rather um, with with a topic like the one that was selected by you all on Twitter and through Patreon, we'd rather do that justice and not have the distraction of uh, getting disconnected every couple minutes on my end. Um you know, this is also really embarrassing, too, because I had a very similar issue happen during the town hall. And since we dropped that, you can go check that out. That was a um, wonderful time to ch- catch up with some of HFES's leadership, learn about the outreach stuff that they're doing. Um, and throughout it, you if you watch it, uh, you, you can hear me struggle or not hear me. You can watch me struggle <laughs> as as I get reconnected and my microphone is not connected because of some weirdness with the program that we're using and so everyone played it off like I was on mute um, but really I was struggling over here doing the. I've got to say though you managed that like a star it was because I was watching it and I almost um, I was sitting there going and I could see 
because obviously because I've, I've seen you sort of struggle with this and know you, you kind of get to know what's going on in the background and yeah. <laughs> I sort of see you looking at your eyes sort of going and I was like I know exactly what's going on there's absolutely nothing I can do from back here about it but everyone else was just because I think was it was it Gary who you didn't introduce and he was just like oh well, I'm just going to do it anyway and, and I was yeah. like that's brilliant that was um that was a nice Every- segue from him Everyone was a great sport about it. Um, you know, it was uh, it's hard for me in a professional manner to have that happen on a live stage with so many people watching. But you know what? We we handled it. We got through, uh, and it we we got the content across. The slides dropped a couple times. That's okay. Uh, it's all out there for you. Yeah, that seemed a bit, a bit weird. Was that just was that just with the um, the the uh, restream thing? Oh, so when it- I drop. When I drop, the slides drop. Oh, slides drop, yeah, of course. So, um, so that's what happened there. The the other thing is that um, I'm very thankful that during the Q and A, zero drop on my end. So the Q and A is kind of seamless. It's just yes, the weird right. transitions. You know, thankfully I was able to get everybody up when they needed to be up, and everybody out when they needed to be out, and it wasn't. Um, no one was just sitting there for a couple minutes going, uh, "I I'm done. Um, next person, please." Yeah, no, that, so, like I said, there was nothing. If you knew, if you listened to our show like like live the day before and you knew what the issues were, you'd I think you'd recognize ah this is still the issues playing. But actually, if you watched it live without knowing any of that, I don't think you'd have actually know realized that there was a major problem. You it, it just felt like there was a bit of a um, right. It, not press, necessarily pressing the right buttons at the right time. So you're just incompetent. Not, not <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I was going to say it's just Nick's incompetence. He's he's not pressing the mute button. Uh, he clearly just doesn't know how to use technology after two years in a pandemic. So, um, (laughs) so yeah, that's where we're at. Um, and so we just wanted to do this week's episode. Uh, it's justice. Um, it's a really cool one that we will talk about next week on the show. Uh, hopefully with all these issues resolved, um, about, um, jetpack paramedics. (laughs) It's pretty cool. (laughs) So it is like the, the guy who's doing it, um, What's his name? The inventor duty. Um, oh, I've got his name now. I should know this. Um, where's the actual story? Gone. Um, no, because I keep on looking at the wrong one. It should Somewhere. Be. Yeah. Oh, because I've got the same one open twice. That's why. Because actually, because you've got obviously the two versions of the story, and actually, I prefer the um, the BBC one. I do uh, too. I don't know why I didn't trace it back and publish that when I. Uh put it out there but the bbc one is the one that i was using as well yeah no that's uh why can't i do that um is it andy mawson um oh richard browning that's the dude oh richard Br- oh, um, yeah. so from gravity industries and i've been following a lot of stuff that he's been doing because he's he, he sort of primarily started to do it for the military domain i mean some of the photos that he's got there he's been doing it with royal marines and stuff and um but he actually presented um, at the ergonomics conference last year. Oh, uh, about it, which sounds and this is going to sound really bad to say, but it, it it wasn't quite as cool as I thought it was going to be. Because I thought it was going to be him doing a presentation on the ergonomics of it. Because I'm really interested in, you know, we'll talk, we'll go, we will go into it way more next week. But fundamentally, it's Iron Man, isn't it? It's the he's got yeah. jets on his hands and a jet on his back. So he, he doesn't have the things on his feet, but you know we'll, we'll give him that. And it's not red; he hasn't painted it red and gold, which I also think is disappointing. He must have a version just in his own garage. Oh yeah, you know he does. Painted red and gold, and he's got a cool hat and stuff. But anyway, he was. Um, I just sort of think, could you imagine? You got these thrusters on on your hands in real life, and you get an itchy nose. 
How do you know? Yeah. Turning your face off. You, oh. I mean, that's clearly it. You just get it close enough to where the heat just eliminates the nose problem, the skin problem altogether. You, I, mean, I was going to say the nose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also, could you imagine like sort of scratching leg or something? And you've basically got these, these jet burners. I mean, how do you stop them from burning yourself when you like picking stuff up i think there's um and that, that's a that's all the sort of stuff from um a human factors ergonomist perspective i was hoping he was going to go into um, you know um, honestly and- honestly i think at that point you're like you're flying so fast that um the wind the, the mm, wind uh buffeting of the face is probably taking care of any facial issues with itching I'd imagine that your clothes, depending on how loosely fit they are, are flapping in the wind and therefore agitating the skin. And there's probably some sort of uh, point where you get acclimated to them. That's um, true. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so I, I, I wonder if those issues are in fact moot. I, although the one thing that I would be interested in is the vibration, yeah. um, the continued vibration of the jet propulsion. Is it smooth enough to kind of, you know, and I mean, well, what is the continued? Hardly, can it? Yeah. It just, What's the continued strain too of like holding those in place? I don't know. There's just a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, the, the only way you control. So presumably, and again, this is where this is sort of thing. I'd like to have a proper chat with him about to sort of say right. So in the in the because you presumably you wear like a gauntlet glove thing with your with your jetpacks on either side, right? It must have some really thick, um, le- spongy, leathery stuff to absorb a lot of that vibration because it's you know it's gonna vibrate and it's gonna for for the same period of time i think at the moment you can fly about 30 minutes am i right in that i think that's it's around half an hour's worth of flight and that's quite a sustained period if you were holding on to say a a a vehicle control um like say a vehicle control joystick a jet joystick um jet joystick or something like that and you had that sort of level of vibration for 30 minutes you would get that um well, now I'm stretching the boundaries of my vibration knowledge, but you can get the that um, that syndrome in your in in your arms where you just you've got that vibration going on, and I've completely forgot the name. But anyway, so th- there's all them sort of sort of clothing issues, um, but it's also it's the when you're flying, as you quite rightly say, I think while you're doing that, you know you, your your mind has got to be on the flying because it's all body right. position posture. It's a bit like skydiving, just the wrong way. Um, cause that's all about, you know, if you make very small body movements, you, you make very large maneuvers and all that sort of stuff. So you've got to be, you've got to do that with this. Um, but it's that whole, when you've landed, um, so you land on your thing and actually some of the videos he does are going from like ship to boat and boat to ship and stuff like right. that. Really cool to watch on YouTube. So fully yeah. recommend. I, I want to do a quick clarification too, because I think we're looking at the same 30 minutes, but it's the, the 30 minutes is referencing something else. The, the gravity jetpack itself can run for around five to ten minutes depending on the pilot's weight and other factors so uh the jetpack oh. itself has a much more limited time um but uh but yeah that that five to ten minutes is the timeline of of flight there um they uh, although let's see here when was this posted this was 21 july 13th so i'd imagine it hasn't improved much since um no i mean it, it's it's fuel isn't it it's um it's fuel. That's, that's yeah, the, that's the biggest, um, biggest issue. Um, yeah, the, the thirty it? minutes you were referencing was something else in the article about response time. Um, yes, so. it was. So, well, so that's a bit stupid then. Hmm. 
Yeah, because just again, looking at the looking at the pictures of it, I mean, I guess this is a good opportunity for us to, to get into the nitty gritty of these these bits because uh, we won't do that next week. It's the whole. Yeah, it's it's the whole. I mean, some of the suits in that are looking rather. I like the way they do some of the training because you so you were talking about how they do the training. So you you have to start off tethered, mm-hmm. um, so you tether to the ground and, and tether to this almost massive steel. Um, it's almost like a stage structure. Yeah, uh, and so you can get up and fly, but you're not going to go more than a few meters up in the air because chance of death presumably is is, is relatively up there. Um, but if you're flying around as well, and questions to which the answer I don't know. You know, with um, UAVs and stuff at the moment, yeah, you now have if you're going to do more than sort of like like two meters away from the ground, you now have to have a license and all that sort of thing. You're just mm. a random person flying around. Do you need a license to do that? Hmm. That's I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's I, I mean, if you could afford one, why would you but need I, a license? You know, UAV <laughs> are you? Because you're not unmanned. You're you're literally you're you're, a, you're yeah. literally a flying object. <laughs> do you do you need a pilot's license then at that point? Right. Maybe. I don't yeah. know. That's interesting. I, I might I, see. I'm now at the point. I might. Have, I'd be quite tempted to to because I think he's got a book out um, on the whole thing. And not on the one hand, I'd go, if it's a technical enough book, I'd be quite keen on be quite keen on reading it. But I'm guessing it's probably more about how we got to where we got to. It's probably the experience, the story. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Oh, a scientist always asking about the specifics of technical. So, if you if you want to redesign your own version of, of said suit, so take the jetpacks and all that sort of stuff. What cool stuff would you have on it? Oh, like like utility wise, like yeah, like I, okay, I, you I, have I, the core, you have the core jetpack. Yeah, so you have a jet like, you pack and you've got two jets on each arm. So right. that's a given. And they're they're whatever whatever kit you need to do to make that happen happens. You've you've got that. How else would you trick it out? What would be uh, what what would Nick's suit look like? Mm, I definitely have some safety features. So there'd probably be his parachute in there uh, for for high altitude flight. Um, okay. Per, I mean, presumably we're talking hypothetical situation. I'm I'm imagining there's you can harness much more power. You can get a lot higher off the ground. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so so therefore a parachute, some safety mechanisms would be necessary. Uh, in fact, I would argue that, um, you know, some quick release mechanism also would be a, a good thing to have because I imagine you get strapped into this thing. It's quite cumbersome. And uh, let's say, I don't know, you crash land um, and and uh, it, it catches fire on some brush nearby. Uh, you're going to need to quickly <laughs> get true. out of that situation. And so, like, having a quick release mechanism on it that you, like, pull one strap, everything just falls off uh, and you're able to run away. Um, safely, I think that is absolutely crucial. Oh, but imagine pulling that strap at the wrong time in midair. Oh yeah, yeah. No, there'd be oh. there'd be there'd be uh, <laughs> redundant uh, safety features in there, so that way it wouldn't be pulled on accident. It's like the ripcord on a yeah, yeah, yeah. You, You're not going <laughs> to accidentally do that. Um, and so that's kind of what I'm imagining, right? So yeah, yeah. Okay. Ripcord, pull the ripcord on the suit; it just falls off you. Um, now, I, I this is you're you're asking me hypotheticals, so this would be totally like. I don't know how feasible this would be, but it'd be very cool is if you could somehow get an automated mounting system uh, uh, circa Iron Man 2 with the briefcase. Okay. Yeah. Put your okay. hands in the thing and it kind of forms up around you. Yeah. That'd be cool. Uh, so ease of ease of getting in, ease of getting out. Um, I'm trying to think of like bells and whistles. I'd probably want a head, heads up display. Um, yes. Yeah. For for, for uh, typical flight related controls, altimeter, um, 
you know, a, a clock, even um, some compass uh, to give you direction, um, maybe even Google Maps on there. So that way you can kind of see where you're going. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> you had to try to do your route with Google Maps. whilst. <laughs> Uh, you're going. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> turn left at. Oh, turn right at. Turn. Do a U-turn. Um, you can actually get. Sorry, just on this. You can get the jet flute, jet suit flying experience. Two and a half thousand pounds. Hmm. Or two thousand four hundred. Two thousand four hundred pounds, which is. I don't know what the conversion. You 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 pretty much one to one out beyond dollars and pounds. So it'd be it's close. Um, uh, that's know. well. Uh, that's a little bit more. It's it's uh, in in U.S. dollars. It's around three thousand one hundred thirty-eight dollars. Uh, oh yeah, you are a bit more. So, so so yeah, it's it's not quite a one-to-one right now. Um, but, but yeah, that, I mean, and I presume that that's just that's a one day. That's just blowing two and a half grand just just on a day. Yeah. I mean, why not? Oh, oh no! It's I mean, no, I'm lying. It's not a day's worth of experience. It's half a day. <laughs> oh, so I mean, you're talking to somebody who's going to blow more than that on a experience at Disneyland to go in a Star Wars hotel. Yeah, but that's um, multi-day. You know, that, that's, that's acceptable. Or, mean, that's a, that's a, have you have you done Disney before? Is that... I mean, yeah, we've done like Disneyland. Uh, we've done the whole Southern California circuit because we lived there for a long time. Um, right. and that, okay. yeah. But the but the Florida location has a hotel that's completely decked out in Star Wars. Like it is a Star Wars hotel. You are living an experience. Right. It's pretty cool um, from what I hear. Uh, and it's very expensive for two nights. So, yeah, we we did a. Uh... <laughs> Not a Star Wars thing, but we went because um, we were quite like Lego and stuff. So for uh, my wife's birthday, we went and stayed in the Lego hotel. Oh, which was really cool. So everything was decked out in Lego, and you you know everything was made, so it looked like Lego and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so that was pretty good. I quite enjoyed that. But, yeah, um, there's a there's a Lego land right by my uh, my childhood home. Oh, um, cool. So yeah, no no stranger to that. <laughs> it's uh, my, my my friends out at Disney at the moment. Um, oh okay i'm sort of seeing photos of what they're doing coming back and sitting there because we i've never been to disney in the states we've we've only done disney in europe so mm, okay was um, that paris yes yeah. so that was so we we drove down there which was but that's going back a few couple of years now actually it must be it must be about five years ago um crikey that goes back away um it's amazing how time was just and i met up with somebody uh today uh sorry yesterday it's still Thursday, isn't it? Yes. So I met with somebody yesterday who I haven't had a, uh, I haven't seen in since before the pandemic, and you know we had a, it was a business meeting, but we were also good friends, so it was good to catch up and all that sort of stuff. And it's just amazing how everybody sort of talked to him and said, "Oh yes, it's um, that whole two years of the pandemic. Um, no matter what happened during, you know, with lockdowns, non-lockdowns, and all that, you sort of just forget that that two years had happened. Yeah. In terms of when you've seen people, and you're like, oh, you know, just just, just before we moved in, and you're like. And that was like four years ago now. So, right. Uh, but uh, yes, it's 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 interesting how we perceive that bit of time. I want to go back to something we were talking about. So you had asked me what my bells and whistles on the gravity jetpack would be. What are yours? So you'd have to have a paint job. Okay. And I see you could go down the you know the red and gold, uh, which is a bit cheesy because that is just taking the Iron Man thing and all that sort of stuff. But I'd be quite tempted to go down the whole, you know, the silvery chrome route, 
Okay, oh, so like Mando. Yeah. Um, what I was thinking, I was thinking more of the. Um, oh, what's the the other guy in Iron Man who? Oh, oh, oh. In his costumes. The yeah, War Machine. War Machine. That's the one. Yeah. Um, but that sort of that sort of route. Um, and the heads up display, I think I, I'd steal from you because I think yeah. that's. But it, for me, it'd be quite simple um in terms of you'd have like just a big sort of way finding out direction finding arrow about uh, where, where you need to go but also the the, the the readout display of the fuel because i sort of have this when i, when I was sort of chatting about this the, uh yesterday um imagine if you're flying high you know like what they do on on iron man he goes he basically flies high into space and um sort of towards the end of i think it's iron man one where the then they sort of run out of fuel and all that sort of stuff. But you imagine being up there and actually doing that whole flying and going, oh, I'm quite high. Oh, and then you hear it. And you're like, yeah. Ah, so, you're, oh, how do you even get back to Earth? So maybe, so, so then you'd need <laughs> some sort of bat wing to come oh, out. Okay. Yeah. So, some glider mechanism. Yeah. I think that would be a bit, yeah. So you can end up, you either end up being, um, I was like one of these Red Bull um, guys who have the, um, um, it's that, 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 that squir flying squirrel yeah. suit, um, which then you can do the whole ground effect thing, which which I think you've got to be very good to be able to do that. Um, the but yes, yeah, so I'd, I'd have that. That would be my sort of safety mechanism -y type thing. Um, I, I do have to just jump in really quick with a quick nerd check. Um, so, towards the end of Iron Man One, it wasn't a fuel issue; it was it was a freezing issue. So yes, as yes. in altitude, uh, yeah. the, the the systems were freezing up, um, and he did not regain control of them until he was very close to the ground. Uh, that is how he recovered from that. So that's uh, because yes, because isn't it what he says? Oh, how did you solve the um, how did you solve the the, the, the cooling right. issue or the freezing issue? Yeah, it was like what freezing issue, and then it pop, 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 yes, and then he died. Yeah, no, yep. no, no, that's yep. Um, good share like that. Yep. Um, check. <laughs> and then, but I guess the then the the whole other thing is yeah, you've got a heads up display, but you've got to have a cool helmet. Okay. Yes. Can't, yes. It can't just be. Um, it can't just be a copy of Iron Man. It can't just be a co copy of something else. And it also just can't be a pair of goggles because that'd be boring. Um, so, and I don't know what the, what this helmet would look like, but it would have to be something really cool, really unique. Something, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd have to think a bit, bit more about that, about what that actually looked like. Um, and then I think the only other bit I would kind of think of is you have some good footwear, good solid footwear oh. for doing takeoffs, landings. But wouldn't you also want them to be magnetic? So if you're landing on something, and then the ability for just when you're getting in close to something, just to be able to switch on the magnet and it just, just snaps up to a deck yeah. or to whatever your landing thing is, yeah, um, which could be like the side of a building or something like that. But fundamentally, just something just to give you that that sort of, that grip, um, yeah. And hopefully, you will be able to switch them back off again because otherwise, you'd be stuck there for a long time. Yeah. Um, Would that work on an aircraft? Uh, they're, they're made out of aluminum, uh, aluminium, um, and so I don't know. <laughs> Had to guess uh, myself. Uh, and so, I don't, would, it, would would it work on that? I don't think it would work. I guess you would find a way of making it work, wouldn't you? Because um, I guess the other way of doing it is: would you rather than using magnet to do it? Could you like basically make it a big suction cup you could you actually just suck yourself to the um um the thing. because that's a bit where like the the some of the submarine stuff works as well doesn't it 
Um, yeah. Uh, it's oh uh, yeah, it's non-magnetic. Okay, so so yeah, it, it would not work. Um, I thought it was not magnetic, but I just had I needed to check. Yeah, no, no, uh, that's fair. I didn't want angry Twitter comments calling. So me how could you? Uh, how could you land on a? I mean, I guess the so you in landing on a plane in flight would be quite impressive anyway. So you, you're not just talking a pair of trainers here. You're talking about a decent pair of boots that have to come up like above your ankle because the, the chance of you twisting your ankle if you land on a plane whilst it's in flight. Right. See, okay, okay. So we're imagining very different scenarios. Are you imagining like falling from one aircraft and landing on another as it's heading a different direction? Because I'm like, okay, you jetpack up to it and you're matching its speed and you slowly dock with it. Like, that's kind of the scenario I was thinking of. In which case, if you've only, you've only got 10 minutes flight time, then well, you haven't got time yeah. to mess around with a nice, delicate landing, have you? You want to, you need to be, because it's almost, is okay. it, what, well, I guess, what are you using the aircraft for? So are you using ah, ah does the aircraft have a launch system? So you go up with the oh. aircraft. You're hanging onto the aircraft and it's got a big sort of oh. almost a mini kick triangle. So your feet are against that. You go up and it the, the aircraft then dives down, but you then keep going forward because you then launch off it. I think See, we should not talk anymore. We should patent this. Okay. See, I, so I when you said launch system, I was imagining like an aircraft carrier launch system where you are positioned on something it totally just launches you out the back end of the plane through like um the oh. magnetic uh why can't i think of the name because we're live that's why i can't yeah yeah, yeah. Mag mag magnetic superconductors that gradually increase your speed rapidly like a, like what they use on rides um and just shoot you out the back of the plane like a like a rail gun um and you are suddenly in flight, uh, going presumably nothing. <laughs> your your outward speed would match the plane, and therefore you are not doing anything. Yeah, <laughs> you're already. Falling. So, but yeah. So instead of that forward momentum, you you have a negative momentum, and you can choose then which direction you want to go. And so it's it's truly a a a drop off mechanism that will allow for any uh, approach any direction of approach. Um, so let's say you're going into a hotly contested territory. You could come in um, and and drop, you know, without having to consider the exit path. You could you could almost like yeah. skim it and then like turn 90 degrees at the very end and drop them and they could go in, you know, like if you think about military uh, applications. So it's almost that last, it's the last mile of delivery, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, so, see, when you think when you talk about launch, I then had a, a thing in my head of you know uh, aircraft carriers, they have the catapults, right? Um, what about having effectively a soapbox? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's so, that's what but, I'm saying. But, you have it, but have it on the aircraft carrier itself. Okay. So no other plane involved. You are the aircraft. You strap your soapbox onto the the, the cap trap mechanism. Right. When you press go and it launches you. Um, but you'd have to go back to the old Harrier days where they used to have um, a ramp at the end of the yeah. um, at the end of the thing. But we can install them. I'm sure we've got one knocking about in a scrapyard somewhere. For sure. um, put that on the end. So you basically get launched. I mean, them things go pretty quick. Um, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> How do you prevent it from falling flat on your ass after? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, if you get that wrong and it slips or something and goes 
Yeah, or like you get your fingers <laughs> caught underneath, you know. Like, ah, geez. Okay, yeah, too much to think about there. But um, but no, if you if you go and it just throws you in the air, how much forward momentum and upward momentum would you get? And then you just as you reach the perfect um, the, the the top of the top of the arc of you being launched, that's when you switch on your um your own personal rocket boost. Yeah. Oh, you, you know what? You know what we haven't talked about yet that would be absolutely crucial for um, a jetpack uh, is autopilot. It's true. Some sort of autopilot mechanism that, like, uh, I don't know, would uh, would would adjust the thrusters to, because um, there's there's two thrusters on each hand. Yeah. So you got the um, fore and after of your wrists, basically. Right. Then you got one on your back. Right. And so so there would need to be some sort of gyroscopic effects within each of those to understand its relationship to the the ground. And then based on those two boosters, maybe if you had like micro adjusters on the boosters, they could then provide some additional stabilization uh, when not in autopilot, but then could provide full autopilot. Um, and you just need to kind of keep your hands down. Um, it wouldn't be efficient because you're not angling them in a right in the way that they need to, but some sort of mechanism to either I don't know, like an exoskeleton, a lightweight exoskeleton that locks your arms' positions so that way it can do, um, you know, locks them comfortably, obviously. So that way, uh, it, it reduces the fatigue on your arms and your your joints. So, like, let's say if your, your uh, elbows or shoulders fail, this exoskeleton will lock into place. Yeah. and try to recover, right? So, like, really, it's just locking mechanisms. It's not a full exoskeleton. If you're, you're going to have a, effectively, the exoskeleton, you might as well have a short structure on your back that has them extra things, the, the, the ones you'd normally have on your arms. You might as well lock them to that and have it auto-controlled. Right? Mm, yeah. Um, because, I mean, the, the problem with having the control... You know, having an, I guess an autopilot on on the ones on your wrists is it's got to have really good understanding, and he could do it just with some um, um, devices that you put on them now. For and I don't know what the name was, but what wearables have them now? Accelerometers, that's the word. So you'd have the accelerometers there that would know the, the position of your wrist the, and the the direction that each one is is pointing in, and therefore, because that's the way that the that the big um, the jet um, engine on the F thirty five works. It, mm -hmm. it it completely completely turns the because um, you can see you can see it on on all the footage. It completely turns the the uh, the 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 why words live hello yeah uh, the extract bit of the um, of the engine. It turns it and so redirects the thrust. And that's what you'd be talking about with this one. You're lots of saying like twenty four of them. It's almost not too far from what. Um, Elon Musk does with his um, SpaceX. That's what I was uh, thinking. With, with the yeah, with the um, with the, with his with his booster engines, because mm -hmm. um, they all they all do that, don't they? Um, they're all directional. Yeah, that's that's, that's exactly what I was thinking of. That technology just built uh, into to all of them. And you know, if you have more control over it, well, they're all working together. All you need is some fixed point. And so, like you know, if you have the top of the jetpack here uh, on your shoulders, and there's literally just a connector. That goes from your shoulders. That's that's a mechanical connection down to the arms, right? You already have the fuel lines, and the the um, uh, the, the the electronic controls. 
Yeah. You already have those. And so all all it would be is like an aluminum, aluminum uh, rod, a set of rods that are free flowing, but then when needed, they lock into place. And, yeah, so uh, you've got, I mean, for that, well, I guess, we, I mean, if we're spending this sort of money, you, 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 we'd be getting titanium ones, wouldn't we? Because yeah, I guess that's money, true. Money's no object in this project. Um, Let's go titanium because why the not? and you're right. They, they'd have some sort of jointing mechanism that on the on a, on a command could just lock. Because the other interesting thing about this is as well is it's great, as you say. You there's chances are you're gonna get you're gonna get fatigue um, because holding your arms in the right sort of areas for a period of time. But if you're then carrying kit, so the story we we're gonna be talking about next week is around. Um, you know, medical, uh, the medical domain, but pick another domain. So say, I mean, why can't firefighters use this to go and um, mm -hmm. assess how bad bushfires are and things like that? But if you're, you just or use- start control controlled burns. Yeah, exactly. And that's true, because you'd have them, oh, that'd be genius. That'd be very clever. Um, so cool. We, we, we should patent that bit as well. That, that's about three patents we've got tonight, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's, it's a good <laughs> job we're not doing this on, on a live broadcast, otherwise people- Yeah, yeah, right. Our ideas. Just steal those ideas. Yeah, um, but if you if you then got to carry a kit, um, so you, whatever it is, your whatever application you're going to do, you you, know, you need some tools or some something to do whatever it is you're going to do with. But you get there, and so you've done a 15 minute flight with this thing, or um, however look. When they probably if it's got a 15 minute flight, you can do a seven minute flight because you need to get out of there as well, don't you? So anyway, you've done whatever distance it is, because uh, you can go up to about 100 miles an hour. Um, so that's kind of fast. Um, so if you do that, but you get there and your arms are just tired, knackered, you know, they, mm -hmm. how are you then going to carry out, have the um, the the ability to then go and do the job it is that you've got to do because you're going to be fatigued. So I guess it, but I guess it's an endurance issue. Let's check um, this out. You also bring up another issue of, yes, you're fatigued, but then what if, um, you know, what if A, it provides assistance with reducing that fatigue if it is an exoskeleton-like thing mm -hmm. then there's the the other piece of it that what if you do lock them into place without your hands in them and you are then free to use your hands in flight for other things like i don't know carrying important objects or you know like you could almost think about it would reduce your fuel consumption and i don't know if it actually worked because of physics but you know if you are a paramedic trying to get somebody um on a lightweight stretcher you just carry them in your arms like this with you know obviously assistance and this thing yeah. is able to get you from point a to point b with some automated systems it'd be kind of cool you could also you know firefighters you take a cat in your arms like you know small animals or um infants out of uh, of um burning buildings or anything mm -hmm. like that where yeah. uh it would not require a lot of effort to hold on to something but you need your hands to do that task or that thing or like i don't know um let's i mean this is a this is a example in iron man but you have iron man who is uh flying alongside a helicarrier and performing um maintenance on the outside of it uh you could theoretically do something like that where i don't know you fly up to the side of the building lock those things in place hover work on the thing quick task obviously especially with the flight time but you have your hands free to be able to do that thing. Put them back Not in. You had the suction boots because you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. If you had the suction boots, you'd be good. There you go. Yeah, but uh, you know, uh, so so maybe a um, maybe a moving target. Maybe you need to perform maintenance on an aircraft while it's flying, 
mm-hmm. you you know fly out and again suction boots or, or magnetic boots would probably be better in this situation but um no but you need can... you need the suit to go and fly up and get you flying alongside whatever it is then you need right. your attaching mechanism obviously possibly maybe you need suction knees yeah because so, actually you know just having the bottom of your feet wouldn't be wouldn't work very well um but then to be able to do whatever task it is then detach and and go right. back to where it is you're going because there's there's quite a lot of incidents that happen with aircraft when you know they're putting down the gear mm-hmm. and you don't get oh three, yeah you don't get three lights so you know that's where one of the things that, like you then have to go and do a fly by the tower can you see if my wheels are locked out um that would be a way of solving some of them issues right you have a launching system at the airport get the jetpack up in the air uh you fly alongside and a low pass um yeah. lo- slow and low pass you, you lock onto the aircraft you go in you do the maintenance you come out and and you land as it's flying by again safely and then the plane can land safely yeah yeah look at that man that's a real world solution to a real world that problem. is yeah I am, you know what, Barry? I am really impressed with our um, ability to come up with so many practical applications of this technology tonight. I am. See, I think what we should do is obviously, when this bit goes out, we need to tag them into it and say that we are very cheap. <laughs> um, you know, if, this is just what we're doing, just spitballing out with a um, you know half an hour's worth of time on a podcast. Imagine what we could do in in a room with them with a whiteboard. Right. Yeah. Blow them on. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah you're absolutely right but it's um it is a it is a cool i mean fair i, I do like it because for me this is a, a very much along the line of what you know must did as well has done as well and and others where they've had an idea and they've just done it you know i mean yeah. you know that it's a sort of thing that there's loads in the, and there's some really good youtube videos of him in the early days when he was just using like one thruster and just doing a bit doing a bit doing a bit failing doing a bit failing doing a bit mm-hmm. succeeding. then there's two bits then there's you know and just try and fail try and fail try and succeed and and just go in around that loop time and time and time again it's really impressive to see that sort of persistence that sort of um Dedication, drive yeah. to do something it's brilliant yeah, it's almost like uh, consistently running up against technical issues in a podcast and like failing, 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 succeed. Uh, and <laughs> we don't ever get that. I mean, I mean, never testers. Never. Funny <laughs> um, way, going back to that town hall. Did you enjoy doing the town hall? Was, was I loved the town hall. Yeah, no, that was fantastic. I, I think there's some really cool opportunities that I'd like to talk to you about offline. Um, about uh, some of the future things that we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I left that town hall, despite all the technical issues, feeling really positive. Um, you know, I think it's it's been positively received so far. I think a lot of people learned a lot about uh, the outreach stuff that HFES is doing. Um, one of the consistent ones I see feedback on is the government relations committee. Like people just didn't kind of understand what the... Like, yeah, we sit there on the government, but like, I mean, we advocate for human factors in policy, which is pretty rad. Um, so I don't know. It, it was a it was a great town hall. I loved uh, hosting it. Um, hope they'll have me back next time, despite all the issues. Uh, if they don't, I guess I, I can't blame them. But <laughs> look, like, like all the issues. I was, I was talking with my therapist about this because I was very... 
<laughs> Look, so uh, I was very upset in the moment um, because I felt a lack of control over the situation. Obviously, I'm over here on this side, um, and what everybody doesn't see is all the buttons I click yes. uh, to make this thing happen. Uh, that's me doing it. We don't have anybody else behind the scenes here. Like, I couldn't bring up anybody else because there's nobody else here but it's it's me clicking all these buttons and i'm trying to manage all these transitions i'm trying to manage people coming in and off trying to manage slides and navigating through the slides um and i'm also trying to sort of make sure that uh everything's going off smoothly and so when i encounter all these um technical issues that are outside of my control it's frustrating and so um everything that happened that day was outside of my control but it also um didn't look great. So one thing that happened uh, that is really unfortunate is the the stream itself didn't go live on their channels. And so, oh, really? really, so it was not live on the HFES channel. It wasn't live on their Facebook or Twitter or anything like that. And it, it was a technical bug with the software that we're using that uh, when somebody pairs their channels more than a certain time out, um, it doesn't allow for those channels to start broadcast um they done what well, they've done them too early they did them too early although it shouldn't uh, be an issue it really shouldn't be an issue it would be an issue but so so they're aware of the issue um the the software that we're using here restream uh, they're aware of the issue and and we're going to ensure that to next time make sure that doesn't happen is to do it within that week uh window although hopefully the problem oh so they've done it like like really organized early uh, yeah, okay. we. I mean, we, we got punished for organizing so early. Is basically. I was what say, I, I do with about twenty minutes to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so oh, when uh, you send me a text saying, "Are you turning up?" Or you know, yeah. So, oh, right, like, pairs. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so because we were so prepared, uh, we got punished for it. The other thing was obviously the internet issues outside of my control. Um, mm -hmm. Still really frustrating, especially when that impacts you know people coming in and off. But again, like we ran into very little of those technical issues. All those aside. Uh, it was a fantastic event. Highly recommend anyone who hasn't listened to it to go check it out. HFES is an international organization, too. So no matter where you're listening from in the world, uh, that will be relevant to you, especially as we continue to um, it's a little teaser as we as we continue to uh, sort of uh, continue our efforts to be international. Mm, yes. We just had um, in the chat um, Isaac who said hi. So, hi, Isaac. Hi, Isaac. Thank you for watching. Thank you for hanging out with us. Uh, this is a Human Factors Hangout tonight. We're, uh, for anyone joining us, um, this, I guess, we're 40 minutes, 42 minutes into the stream. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> with with no issues. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, what's going on tonight is we're doing a Human Factors Hangout a little bit different from our traditional uh, weekly podcast. Um, it's just a matter of uh, uh, of all the technical issues on my end. Uh, we may still encounter those. And so we, we do want to do this week's episode or I guess next week's episode technically uh, justice. And um, in order to do that, we need to make sure that uh, there's no technical issues. It's outside of my hands, but hopefully it'll be resolved by next week. It will be resolved by next week. It'll either be resolved today while we're doing this, uh, which is part of the part of the calculus <laughs> or tomorrow morning. So um, on my end, it'll be fine. But uh, are they just going to get a big beefier wire and, con and connect it to your power? I don't know. I think what it is, is they're using probably decades old wires. <laughs> yes. I get, well, I guess there's, you know, because there's a whole lot of copper to be um, replaced. Because we, we sort of 
um, chatting about this the other day in the there's like various bits of Europe and so you sort of assume that everybody's got like fiber connections or mm-hmm. you know, fiber clothes and, and actually most people don't um you know we're lucky we do have fiber to the house which because we were part of a, an experimental thing when we moved in here and we were like wow that's amazing um but then there's so many people who just don't and particularly you know in america where you've got big sway or like um, australia or a place like you've got big swathes of nothingness mm-hmm. um you know so you've really copper connection or even a fiber connection just isn't a goer your satellite connection or um or that type of thing um so it's in you, you sort of assume that everybody's going to have really good connection just because you do and, and it's just not the case um, yeah yeah so i don't know if they're replacing a lot of wire or some wire they said there's one component at least that needs replacing um and i suspect it's largely due to the change in weather so it's getting a little bit warmer here now right. um okay. coming out of winter and um, with everything warming up, I'd imagine uh, the the mechanical connections between some of these things um, as metal heats uh, and 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 cools, it expands and shrinks. And so I think some of those connections might just be a little loose and they just need to, you know, make yeah. sure they're good. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I, I, I don't. Yeah, go I was finding fascinating when you when. Uh, certainly in the UK, when you drive past um, one of the, um, the telecom vans and they've got these cabinets on your street open and, and they're just full of wires. And just from a usability perspective, you're sitting there going, how? How on earth do you know that that wire and that wire, are, and you know, you, you just fiddle with that and that all works? Because it just, there seems to be no order. It, seems, it just seems to be completely, I mean, obviously completely untrained, therefore uh, all that sort of stuff, but it just seems completely chaotic. But right. I just haven't had that sort of thing to go up and say, Look, human practice practitioner, this feel this this just feels offensive. Can you just explain to me uh, what it is that you do and how how it works? Because you're like they're not paying me. Just 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 you just don't need to know it. They make magic happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it just does look crazy. Yeah, it it is one of those things where it's like I I would be very curious to see what kind of human factors thought goes into the organizing and. Um, I mean, this is a this is a larger issue, but like the the human factors organization of workplaces in general, like uh, especially ones where you are crafting something, because everybody's workflow is very different, and um, people problem solve in different ways, especially when trying to create something uh, out of out of something else. Uh, and so, like, I don't know, you, you're working in a in a um, woodworking shop, and you know, people use people prefer different tools and different techniques for different cuts and different um, joints and all that stuff. And so it's like, how do you organize a workspace that's going to be optimal workflow for 90%, maybe a little bit less optimal for those 10%, but like, you know, still have everything within a reasonable uh, location within the shop that will naturally flow from one thing to another, right? Like where are your tools organized in relation to um, some of the larger cutting saws or uh, I might be getting too into depth here, but I, I, it's just fascinating to me. So we um, recently have been going around with our uh, eldest daughter because she's going to go to university. And um, so it was that whole, which university is she going to go to? Blah blah blah. So we're going around and looking and for me, it was fascinating because there was, she didn't, because she's, she's an artist i am not an artist i'm an engineer um 
I don't understand art. I don't get art. I um, struggle, I think, to... If it's not really basic, sort of basic stuff, yeah, I struggle. So we go down all these bits, and they were sort of talking about the display spaces they have to work with. So they all get their own little work area, and there was sort of like... The, the big part for them was obviously the walls. There's, there's basically two walls, probably about um, one sheet of board wide. Um, so um, four foot by eight, eight foot-ish, something like that. Um, and then they just had these small tables with... And I was like, well, how's your workstation organized? Do you, do you have paintbrushes over here? What, if you're going to have some clay, where's that medium go? How are you going to sort sort that? How do you, are you going to label it properly so you know what type it is? And she was like, Dad, we, we do... It's just there. It just, it just we just do it, and I was like, and I, I just really sort of struggled with understanding how. Like, but but how how does that space work for you? Which then led us on to um, a, a slightly different problem. So she's she's joined the company with us, and but she's you know a lot of what we do is visualization. Even just you know you on a, on a PowerPoint slide, you you create a visual for um, for to try and get your message across. And I was like, well, could we use her insight into art? to make something happen so we, we had a client um so I had a client still got a client uh which is good um but we sort of we sort of said right rather than just doing usual graphs and all that sort of stuff could we come up with because ellie's on the team a piece of art that represents the data now in my head that sounded dead easy um you know you're you're an arty person use some data make some art out of it and she's like well well what do you want i was like i don't know you're the artist um, but I couldn't, it was really weird because obviously the way artists normally work is they get inspired by something and therefore they create. But then when I was sort of saying, basically my requirement is I, I've got some of the stage where I want you to represent it in an interesting way. Well, that's not inspirational. That's me trying to just give over requirements. So how do you get, how do, how do you communicate a, a work package? to an artist to deliver it. And I was just like, I, I don't know how to, I could, you know, if, if I'm getting project engineer, if I'm getting any sort of mechanical engineer, electrical engineer, I could define a piece of work for them to do. You know, you've got start point, you've got end point. This is what I want to have. It's got to look like this. It's got to, it's got to this is the function I want to achieve. But to an artist, how do you, how do you do that? I don't know. Right. I want to, I want to follow up on a couple things here, Barry, because there's, there's some really interesting things that we're talking about. One, you say you're not an artist yet. You put out a piece of media almost weekly, um, sometimes bi-weekly, mm. and and therefore I would I would argue that your commentary in a lot of ways is art. I would argue that the pieces of media that you put out into the world, your uh, your interview style, your ability mm. to get information out of people on your podcast, uh, is is a form of art. I would argue that. That yeah, is, no, I, I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. So, so when you say you're not an artist, I think maybe not a traditional pen on paper, um, uh, modern art. When you think of art, yes. I, I, yeah, yeah, uh, fine. But I, I would uh, challenge anyone who says they are not an artist to really think about the things that they are creating, um, because I, I also believe that translating research into findings and and communicating those findings is also an art. Um, and so thinking about things differently, um, may open some channels for people. I also want to follow up on your requirements for art. Um, I think maybe in this case, right, where you are trying to communicate, uh, findings in, in a piece of art, 
what do you mean by that? Are you are you saying like let's spruce up a graph? Because I think Edward Tufte would have problems with that. Uh, let's you know let's think about maybe um, you know are you thinking like a word chart or like a like a word cloud uh, or something like that? I guess um, artists are almost they they almost thrive by by limitations. Yes, um, because it forces them to innovate. And we've talked about innovation on the show in the past. I think it'd be interesting if you. Um, when you say art is is some sort of uh, you're inspired by something, then I would almost flip that and say, well, aren't you as the person who is driving this requirement required to then inspire and and say like here's the findings that we have. I'm inspired by this because this is so fundamentally uh, important for the thing that we are trying to do. Convey that importance. And then have the artist um, translate that importance into some sort of artistic rendition. And I would completely agree with that. The, okay. Because the way that um, if you're going to if you're going to ask them to do something, you've got to fundamentally understand what it is you're asking them to do. And, mm -hmm. and to be able to, to communicate that in a way that is meaningful to both parties. Um, and that's where I, I wasn't work. I couldn't do it. I, I knew, you know, I wanted a piece of art. Well, what do you want that art to do? I don't know. I just know I want a piece of art. Well, what, who, who is the audience? Well, it could be anybody. Um, you know, so I wasn't able to come. I, I just knew I kind of wanted a, a, I had a, a loose idea, but not in a way that I could communicate it in a way that was meaningful for anybody to pick up. So. That was kind. Of, that was the issue that I was facing in how in how could I communicate in a meaningful way something that she could then pick up and be inspired by and and then go do, and I just couldn't do it around that point. But it's, it's it was a really interesting learning experience. I now have a better idea about how I would do it differently. Um, I would probably go and have a sketch of something that I would try and do myself to sort of get. Uh, you know the, the sort of idea that I was wanting to achieve, and then use that as a springboard to say, you know, to then talk around ideas and, and, and stuff like that. But it's just going and saying, "I want some art." Wasn't um, it? Wasn't good enough? Hey, you know um, that art thing? Give me, give me one of those. What, what yes. one of the arts, please? Fact, can, you, can you give me two? two just two of the art. One for the front, one for the back. Yeah, yep. two awesome. arts, Thank please. You. Yes, two arts. By Friday. Yes. Yes. But, um, but on the plus side, the other thing that she has done for us is we now have um, roller banners, podcast roller banners, Ooh. Um, which are very pretty. Um, I'm quite impressed with them. So we got them done in time for the Ergonomics Conference. In So the live Ergonomics Conference is in, what, three weeks? Something like that. Um, yes. And so we're going to have them up so they go behind um, whatever, wherever it is that we end up getting set up. Thank you, Barry, for the quality comments on uh, jetpacks and um, and art and everything else that we discussed beyond that point that is not in the traditional podcast. But thank you for <laughs> yes. uh, thank you for it's hanging out. Um, it's been good fun. I've enjoyed it. And if you've been listening to this, if you, if you haven't, if you can't tell, I'm doing an outro for this weird thing. <laughs> if you've been listening to this, thank you for listening. I know it's not the traditional podcast that we normally do. Uh, but we thought that there was good enough content here for you to listen to and enjoy. So we wanted to put it out there for you. We'll be back next week with a, another regular episode focused on uh, giving 
jet suits, jet packs to paramedics and what the implications of that are. So thank you again for listening, for tuning in. Uh, We'll be back next week. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.